0: Welcome to this LinkedIn Live Conversation. I am Rick Franzi, and thank you for joining our conversation today. My purpose and the purpose of my coaching business is to help leaders to live impactful lives. My guest today is Darius Daisy, and he's the author of The Core Value Equation. I've invited Darius to join us to discuss core values. Welcome, Darius, to the show. Thanks for having me, Rick. It's great to have you here. So let's kind of kick this off very simply, Darius. From your perspective, can you define what you mean by the term core values?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's funny. Like recently, someone asked me that question and I said, you know, you're, they're the values that are the most core to you, and, and then I thought, you know, I'm going to look this up online and under the dictionary. And so the dictionary definition of core values are that they are the fundamental beliefs of a person or an organization the fundamental beliefs. And I was like, wow, that's such a great way of describing it. What are the fundamental, what are the things that you will believe in that you will be unapologetic about, things that you'd be willing to lose money to make sure they still come true, uh, the things that you'll fall on your sword for if push ever came to shove. And so whenever I think of values or core values, that is the way I think about it is these are the things that you will rarely not live up to.
0: So, Darius, you write in your book, and this is a copy of it, The Core Value Equation, that companies that don't have core values, that people do. Companies don't have core values, people do. I found that provocative and interesting, but yet logical at the same time. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, a company by itself, technically, I know, it's a person if you're under the, you know, IRS tax code. But the, re- the reality is, is that, you know, a corporate, a corporate entity doesn't have the values it's a combination of people and people have values and they bring their values into that organization. Um, we have two choices. We have a choice either A, to define what's important to the organization at the highest level, to, to give people somewhere to point, point to and say, well, those are the values, those are the expectations, or we get to deal with what they're gonna bring into the organization. So, you know, companies in and of themselves, they don't really have values. The people have the values. And if we're not intentional about way we you know in my book i make the argument of discover design roll out implement and measure the values then we just get what we get and you're going to get a mixture of values you're going to have all those different disparate tribes in your organization and they're going to have their own little sets of values and you get what you get and hopefully it's good usually it's not but you know it is what it is and 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 that's where i think there's so much opportunity to use values to really create results in your organization that's and that's what i found when I got to play around with values and the more I played with it, the more important it became before and before long it became what I consider to be the most important and valuable asset an organization has to really manage the business. And it's the foundation of the results of the business.
0: It's interesting because in the opening to your book, the core value equation, you sort of talk about waking up and not liking the company that you had created.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we build our businesses or even as, you know, leaders, we build our businesses and we have these, you know, we ideate about what the future is going to look like. And so when we're really small, you know, some people want to run a small business. I never really did. I always wanted to run a a larger business, even when I had no, I I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew (laughs) I wanted to have a lot of people really doing into what I was into. Um, And so, you know, I I didn't know how to do it, though. So at first I did it just with, you know, pure guts and glory. You know, it was all around blood, sweat and tears. And and when you're small, you can get away with it because you're in the same room huddled next to people and rubbing elbows and exchanging oxytocin and serotonin and all these, you know, chemicals between each other that we do when when we're in a tribal type of environment, which businesses are. They're really just tribes of people coming together to create commerce. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it worked really well. We grew like, you know, we had a great business and we grew from myself to, you know, I'd say like 30, 40 employees pretty quickly. Um, And this was, you know, back in the early two thousands. And, and then I just started to notice that, you know, I had these different rooms that people were in. And when I went into one room, it felt different than the other room depending on who the leader was. And that was the first time I noticed that things weren't fully the way I had wanted them to be you know and and i and then it, we grew more we grew from the 30 to about 60 people and that's when the pain really started to kick in that's mm-hmm. when you know i had three departments in the company and i and one would light on fire and i would go and you know sit in there for a month and fix it and then and then the next department would light on fire and i would go in there and put out the fire for a month and then and then i'd go then i'd get done and fix it and then there was a third department that would light on fire and I go in and fix it and then the first one that I had fixed two times ago was back on fire and I go back there and it was really frustrating and I just noticed that people you know we were very disorganized and um, we just you know we grew too fast and and the culture got diluted really quickly uh, rather than stop at that point and kind of build infrastructure for growth and really do the right things at the the market I was in at that point this is in 2005 mortgage market then was very hot mm. we ended up growing I went up grown from 60 people to 150 people and that was i mean if you talk about growing pain holy shnikes i (laughs) i was getting pummeled i mean i had and so when i wrote in the book and it's the first sentence of the book i wrote i hate this company and it was at that point when we were up that (laughs) size i i I had this interaction with one of our employees where you know i was asking him a question he said i don't know that's not my job and i just said uh, i just couldn't you know he was I had, a, I had built an organization that allowed for that type of behavior and I got what I got right. I had growing pains I had tribes all over the place I had a mixture of values I had a misalignment and I had inconsistency and for that I got what I deserved which was a, a company that was blowing up and was having a lot of problems and um, luckily I, I, I you know I, I really got into core values from that and that, that that ended up being my saving you know grace that ended up really being this thing that fixed all these things once I learned how to do it So I'm
0: talking with Darius Darius Moshazadeh, and this is his book, and I encourage you to find it. We'll talk about how you can find it, but you know it's available everywhere. The core value, interesting how you put the word equation here, and how I've heard you talk about results. And so I I think that's a a powerful concept, that this soft thing called core values can actually lead to hard things called, called results. So I wonder if you could share some advice for how to properly design core values so that they can actually become the language of the organization.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, in the book I talk, essentially the core value equation as you as you just alluded to is that language, you know, core values have an opportunity to become a language of an organization. And I believe that language equals the language of your organization dictates the results of your organization. Um, the reason for that is, this idea that language equals decisions, which equals actions, which equals results. And and I went through a coaching program with David Zellman out of the Transitions Institute. And that's where I kind of tied all these ideas together. And, and for people that ha- really believe that language is one of the most, if not the most powerful thing in the world, I believe language and words are, are very, very powerful um, when used properly. They've taken down countries. They've built nations. Hmm. Words are, you know, words are what drive us as humans, you know because they have such impact the way that they can w- create emotional uh, messaging. And, and you look at these things like the I had a dream speech by Martin Luther King, or you look at the Declaration of Independence. These are words, right? Words are power. And so um, and, and I'm and I'm a really, really big. I have a lot of respect for words and I'm a big believer. So when I see people who are frivolous with words? I have a really tough time with them, and I don't need to name names right now. But there's there are some prominent people in in the world right now that are very frivolous with their words, um, and so what um, w- what I ended up doing was I did it the wrong way. You know, m- the, the the interesting thing about my book is that I'm just I'm not I'm not an academic. I mean, I, I like to think I'm a smart person, but I'm not an academic. I'm not a consultant. I'm not a person who wrote the book because I was trying to like. Create a business out of it. It, It's really just a a document. Document me documenting what I learned the hard way, Um, and 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 I got obnoxiously uh, really curious about this thing around core values. I didn't know what why why that happened, but it happened, and and I did it all wrong. I, you know, when you look at the traditional creation of core values. It's it's a checklist that people go through when they build a business. You check the box around values, you check the box around mission, you check the box around vision and then you go back to work. Go on to do it. Yes, yeah,
0: right. <clears throat> Put it on the shelf.
1: Yeah, you you know, words on the wall, words on paper. You go back to work and then and then once a year you revisit them and no one really cares about them and <laughs> And what I say is like think of anything you have in your business of value that you find to be very valuable something tangible that's valuable let's use for instance your sales organization let's say you have a sales let's say you have a sales team if you did the exact same thing with your sales team what would happen you just you know assembled them put them together and then ignored them for the next year right i can tell you what would happen it's no no one's it's not a hard guess it would fall apart and it and it would be of zero value to you If you did the same thing with the product in your business, you go through the issue, the time to figure out what product you want, you roll it out, and then you ignore it. Don't do anything with it. Or you're not thoughtful about how well it's designed. What's going to happen? Well, it's easy. It's not going to get used. No one's going to buy it. And yet we do it with our values and we are surprised that no one, uh, for the most part, and and there's some data around this, you know, 89% of employees in organizations don't know the core values of their company. Wow. You know, so... Well, and it's not like, I'm not surprised by it. It's because no one does anything with them. And so I kind of went the other way, which was I had an organization where I didn't know my values and I was the guy that created them. My team didn't know our values and I had rolled them out and they didn't do anything. And I, and I, and I started to play with them and said, well, if I want to make them valuable, they have to be used, right? And, if, the, right. and if, 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 if they're going to be used, well, how do I get them to be used? Well, I got to make them easy to use <laughs> and I got to make people want to use them. Right. Right? Because I can't force you to do stuff. I can't force you to use the values. you got to want to use them. And and let's just say I could force you to. I'd prefer that you want to, because that means that they have a a higher likeliness of, of doing the job that I'm trying to get them to do. So going back to your first question, which what is core values? My answer was they are the fundamental beliefs of an organization. Don't you think it's important that your team lives the fundamental beliefs of the organization consistently and all throughout the organization?
0: I, I I think any organization. Not we're talking to entrepreneurs and business owners, but think about any organization that you're a member of. Uh, what I like about your book is it's it's very helpful as well. You 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 share the four most critical elements that core values need in order to be consistent, impactful, and deliver those results in any organization. So um, at a high level, because we only have so much time together, and there's a lot of content in your book, Darius, could you just kind of touch on those critical elements? Yeah, so,
1: so in order for, to make them impactful, like like I said, like the the, the the previous path that I think that my book solves for is that there's, I, I don't think anyone's gonna argue that there you need to discover your values. Whether you're doing it personally, whether you're doing it in the business, you gotta discover your values. And that's a pretty, there's a lot of ways of doing that. You can go Google online, help me find my core values. And there's tons of people that can help you do that or you can do some worksheets and stuff like that. And then we give a process in the book. Um, so discovery is, is a well-worn path. You got to discover your values. What happens next is they usually do some sort of weak rollout and then some poor implementation. And like I said earlier, they don't get much out of it because they're just not useful. I went a different direction, which is you got to have the discovery process. But when I say when you do the discovery process, one thing that's really important to, to remember is core values don't have to be nice. They are what you are. They're, the, they're your fundamental beliefs, and so I'm a lot. I'm giving you permission to be unapologetic. Be who you are. If you're kind of a badass warrior culture, own it. Be it. Do it. No one's gonna like you're you're doing your you, by living it and by promoting that that's what you are. You're going to attract people that believe what you believe. Right. So, discovering your values is about being authentic, unapologetic. Core values don't need to be nice. Once you do that, we got to design them for use. And that's really simple. You got to make them easy to remember. And what I say is there's two ways of doing that. Number one, they have to be within the realm of what uh, helps people remember them. So for the human, uh, uh, the average human can remember seven items plus or minus two, which is known as Miller's law. Mm -hmm. Well, you shouldn't have more than nine words in your core values in in, in in the part of the values that you want people to remember. And I call those the headers. So using my, my previous organization that I was the CEO of for the last six years, TMS, um, ours were people matter, uh, excuse me, people matter, inspiring leadership, strength of character and rock solid service. I take, a, I don't include prepositions because those, those don't really eat up that much brain power. Uh, my previous company was do work, live then break the box while wow, everyone. Well, what do those really mean? And then there's a design process on how you get there. For TMS, it was caring, it was our number one value. Well, we call that people matter, caring mm-hmm. for our team. Inspiring leadership was inspiration. We, we, ter- we translated these themes, inspiration, into something that was in the tone of the organization and it was easy to remember. Integrity became strength of character. That was the tone of our organization. Um, and then last but not least, service orientation became rock solid service. So you wanna translate the header into the language of the organization and now you have the personality of the organization in the core value. Um, After that, you want to build a descriptive, which is the four to eight sentences that really say, what does this look like at the 10,000 foot level? And and there's a lot of best practices around doing that. The goal there is there's a lot of testing we want to do to make sure that we can make any decision in the organization based off what the descriptive says. Because what Hmm. core values are discovered and designed properly, you have one thing that I love, which is you have the ultimate decision making engine. I can make any decision I want with our core values. They tell me the answer you don't know how many times Rick we had tough things happen in our business I me and my partners rip out the core values read them out loud and we knew the answer Here, here's a trick if it's a tough if it's an easy like decision you don't need to read your core values to make it it's the hard ones where you got to read right. right so once you've discovered and designed well now you've got these great values well, what do you gonna do just drop them in people's lap and go back to work if you do that no one's gonna do anything with them so we designed in this chapter six in the book, we designed a really thoughtful, amazing rollout process. There's a there's a, a, a friend of mine helped me build these and, and we did it, we perfected it over five years and it, and it became an immersion into the language of the organization. When people left that, and this is the first day of work at our company, They they we just looked different. It was you you knew you were at a core value driven organization. Like the word core values and how it applies to a business was no secret to anyone from that point forward. And by the way, that was their first day at work. And then, well, once I have that, I I call that the core value wedding. Well, when you have a wedding, it's not like you have a wedding and then you you ignore your spouse. No, that's called a divorce, right? (laughs) Right. So, so. After that is implementation. I call that the marriage. It's the nurturing. It's the ongoing relationship. And we we talk about some very simple things you can do. Because, by the way, Rick, all this has to be really simple or else no one's going to do it. So there's a Japanese word called shibui, which means there's complexity and simplicity. So all this is about, look, I know every business out there has got a day job to do. They're doing their business as usual. They're doing their day job. You go in there and start giving them a bunch of work to do around values and mission and vision, they're not going to do any of it. So you got to make it really simple and easy to do. And last but not least, the fifth thing I say is, well, why do any of this at all? And and, and I come from mortgage, I come from mortgage banking, which is a very, you know, banker-centric mindset. Mm-hmm. So I always just viewed this as an asset. And I'm saying, well, what kind of ROI am I getting on that asset? Well, Peter Drucker has a famous quote: if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. So in chapter eight of the book, we talk about different ways you can measure for efficacy for optimization? And then how can I measure that to get more productivity out of my team? Gallup has an amazing stat. They say that highly engaged team members are 21% more productive than the non, the non-engaged team members. And I believe that when you are in a core value-driven organization, you have the opportunity to create highly engaged team members. But you got to measure for that. you got to optimize for that. So we give some, some tools on how, how we recommend doing that as well.
0: There is this is interesting. You you, you talk about um, design and simplicity, and it, it made me think of the part of the book where you talk about Steve Jobs. And so, I, I guess for our audience, could you relate how you see what how Steve Jobs and Apple approaches design to how you encourage people to approach it as it relates to core values?
1: Well, yeah, it's funny enough uh, since I've written the book, I, you know, because now I'm out there talking about the book all the time. Um, I, I've I've done more research, and um, you know. 20 years ago, if I asked you, how many pictures do you think people take per year, human beings? How many pictures do you think people t- took back then?
0: 20 years ago?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, just if you add up all the pictures taken per year. 50. Yeah, yeah. No, it was probably in the millions, right? L- like like uh, in the whole world. Oh, so. I, I thought
0: you meant the individual person. But
1: yeah, yeah. But, right. So, 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 you know, you had... it it probably wasn't 50 because you have a lot of people didn't have camera don't have cameras right so 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 let's just say it's in the millions right at most in the low billions you know how much how many pictures people took in the year 2017 tell me it was over a trillion wow is it because suddenly in the last 20 years we have a world of photography a world of (laughs) photographer right no. no, it's not all, all of a sudden everyone became a photographer.
0: Right.
1: It's that the tool of a phone became a camera that they could use for everything all the time. The utility value of the phone changed from this here. This is what the phone looked like 20 years ago to this here, what it looks like now. Right. They do two very different functions. The utility value is different. So the, when the, there's a change in utility value, you get a change in outcome. And what I believe is that core values have the opportunity to do that. What, what Steve Jobs did is he changed the utility value of, of, of the phone. And it was done through really good design. And, you know, good design withstands the test of time. And, and he had a lot of rules around simplicity. He had a lot of rules around people need to be able to pick up the phone and get to, uh, you know, he did this originally with the iPod where they need to get, be able to get to a song within two clicks. Right. And that same design idea around simplicity, complexity and simplicity, making it so simple, stupid that a two year old, my two year old used to pick up <laughs> our, my iPhone and play with it when he was two. You could actually open it, and turn it on. Right. And, and, and so why is that? Because it's so simple, it, anyone can do it. We, yet we don't think about that with, we think about that with our products that we sell our customers, but we don't think about what's the most important product that, we're, that we should be selling in our business. I'm gonna tell you, it's selling the fundamental beliefs of your business to your team. That's the most important product you have is to sell your fundamental beliefs to the team that's going to be in there, living them and making them come to life. Yet we don't do that work. We make it complicated. We make it cumbersome. The design is poor. And guess what happens with poor design? People stop using it. I I love that my Nokia, but I don't use it anymore because that design doesn't work for me anymore. Um, And it's not to say that the core values are obsolete. It's that they just don't have a high utility value the way that most people design them. They have boring language. I could pick twenty companies, and mm. I'll, I bet you, I bet you, dollars to donuts, twelve of them will have integrity in their core values. Right, so integrity. But the way they live integrity is probably different. If I look at each company, the w- what is integrity to you may not be integrity to me. It's not to say that they're that far off, but there's a different tone
0: to how we live our a high integrity life, right. No, th- th- That comes back to what you'd said earlier, which is take the words and operationalize them inside the culture of your company, make the words meaningful, translate them into words that are relevant to the culture and to the people in that company.
1: Yeah, so so we want to translate these themes like integrity and courage and and family and friendship and fun and all these like words when we think of values. Those are themes. I don't I, I don't want to use those as core values in the business. I want to translate them into the tone of the organization, and I want to and I want to come up with you know catchy, sticky, viral language that resonates with the team. So at my first company, I had six values, seventy-six words. I couldn't remember them if my life depended on it. And I translated them into four values. And there were nine words. And it was do work, live then break the box, and wow everyone. Uh, do work, work hard, hard work, grit, right? Live then right. balance, karma, uh, break the box, innovation, wow everyone, excellence, right? I could show you five companies with the word excellence, and they live it five different ways. So right. the tone of that header should be different. When you do that, you now have an asset that you can operationalize in the business. Well, how do we operationalize it? you operationalize it in your executive meetings you operationalize it in your softwares you operationalize it in your scripts you operationalize it in your customer service modules you operationalize it in your quality assurance systems this is but you can't do it if it's not the language of the organization it's not sticky it's not viral it's not there if it's not there people don't use it if they don't use it, it doesn't mean
0: anything And I love the point you made earlier here on our conversation, but you also made it on the interview you did with my friend uh, Rick Gerard on his show, that it really is a tool to attract people to come to work for your company because it may resonate with them. And so you're doing the cultural fit part of the hiring process, too, which I think is really important.
1: Yeah, that's one spoke off the hub. So if the core values of the hub, one spoke is recruiting. And it's an important. It's a really important hub because if I get cultural alignment around values, if your, Rick, if your fundamental beliefs as a person align with my business's fundamental beliefs that I'm recruiting for, well, guess what that creates? A lot of organizational efficiency. Yes. Like, I don't have to tell you to live the value. Just do <laughs> it naturally. holistically. It's, it's an organic behavior because that's just who you are. And, and in the book, we use a description for that. We call that invisible scale. When we mm-hmm. start to bring people into the organization whose values align to that of the organization's, naturally, well, uh, we don't have the same problems. Like people don't, like, like. typically what I find is organizations tend to manage to the lowest common denominator. Well, what if the lowest common denominator was the same as the highest common denominator? Because they all behave the same
0: way. Mm-hmm.
1: Then then, there, then there's no discrepancy in behavior. There's no, I don't need to Create policy and procedure and trainings around doing things the right way. I, you should, but just because it's the best practice. But how many companies have great policy and procedure and great training, and people drop the ball all the time? Tons, you know, because, because they're not measuring for values. They just throw bodies at the problem. And my belief is: is if I get twenty one percent more productivity out of a highly engaged team member, that's one more unit of team member work for every five people I have in the room. Right. I, I get five. Pe- I get five people. I get six people's most I get six people work out of five people. That's real money. That's right. real profit. And more profit means more resources, and more resources means more investment in making it a better company. And it becomes this flywheel. Mm-hmm. Where I start kicking everyone's ass. I'm I just have a superior company. Right. Like I outproduce everybody. And if you think of profit, the last twenty cents of profit is the most valuable profit you're going to make in a bit because you it it's it's coming net of expense, right? Right. Like when I could get 20 more percent of profit out of the same dollar unit of effort, that's all profit to the bottom line. So it's really important to get that last
0: squeeze of productivity. So that and- that feels like why you might have added the word equation into the core value and the name of the book, The Core Value Equation. I mean, you really are both in spirit here today and in your writing in your book. You're showing the ROI nature to the fact that working on core values has a return on the time invested, which is why you want to do it well. So we're we're bumping up against the time that I thought we I'd spend with you today. And I wanted to ask, is there any part of your book? Because we didn't, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't get through the whole thing today here in the half hour or so that Darry and I Darius and I spent together. Anything else about the book content that you want to share with our audience? No, it's you know it's
1: really simple. You know, you know, we got to cover a lot, but I, I say you know, when you discover, design, roll out, implement, and measure core values to create a core value-driven organization, really three things happen. Number one, you, you you create the ultimate decision-making engine that can answer any question in the organization for any team member at any time. Number two, it creates invisible scale, and I mentioned that earlier. Earlier, and la- last but not least, we touched on this. You create a raving fan base, a magnet for talent. The right people show up, the wrong people leave, and you get that invisible scale. And when that happens. You know that's when you have a superior business and you know for me i grew my business from 30 to 313 employees in 18 months and rick i had zero growing pains zero why it wasn't because i had great policy and procedure and it wasn't because i was this amazing leader that could go and work with all these people individually it was because we had a language for our organization and it created all these positive things i think about and i'll finish with this i believe that core values good bad, or indifferent, Create every result in your business and life. Literally, core values, wow. good, better, and different. Create every result in your business and life. And what, I tell, what I'm telling people right now is that I believe by the year 2030, without question, in every industry, core value, mission and vision, and value-driven organizations, but specifically values-driven organizations, will be the leaders in every industry in every market that there is.
0: I firmly believe this. Wow. So, So all the more reason, ladies and gentlemen, to... Find this book and spend some time with it? How would they do that? Yeah, look, uh, we
1: have it streaming across the bottom. You go to therealdarius.com and you can buy the book. It'll take you to Amazon, but you can get anywhere where where things are sold online, the books are sold online. Um, It's in every format, paperback, hardback, Audible, and uh, ebook. So Kindle, Nook, all that stuff. So yeah, anywhere, but Amazon's a good place, Barnes & Noble, all those places. But you could go to therealdarius.com, sign up for all my social and we, we, we give you a bunch of free stuff on there too if you subscribe to the site.
0: Well, thank you very much for giving this 30 minutes to share with my friends on LinkedIn and having a conversation about your latest book, Darius. I've been looking forward to having some time with you since I was first introduced to you. And then I saw that you were speaking at the Inc 5000 conference. And so I've been kind of following you here for a couple of weeks now, and it's been very enjoyable. Thank you for being a friend and a part of giving your knowledge to our community here in Renaissance yeah. Executive Forums my pleasure thank you for having me okay as a as a goodbye to everybody else i'd just like to say that my partner is renaissance executive forums a global organization of business leaders about two thousand ceos and entrepreneurs around the globe uh we're always interested in talking with thoughtful people and authors uh like darius was and so if you know of someone that you would like to recommend that we talk to here on the platform would love to know them please reach out to me on linkedin i'm Rick Franzi on that. Until the next time we have a chance to talk, I hope all of your business decisions and decisions in life move you in a positive direction.